Welcome to Her Enterprise with me, Melissa. Hey, and me, Kelly. And it's me, Nicole. Join this group of entrepreneurial women building community and masterminding through our problems. So we can all lean into your values, cut what doesn't serve you, and grow in abundance. Let's get to it, changemakers. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Her Enterprise Podcast. Today, we're doing another interview with one of our founding ladies, Kelly O'Brien Pauman. She is the writer at Copper Ripple website. And before that, or still, she runs her own business called St. Bridges, where she does cranial sacral therapy. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. I'm thrilled and nervous and excited for today. It'll be great. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited we get to talk to you about your business because I always want to learn more. I feel like there's so much depth to all of our businesses. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I am a mom to four kids. I am married to my husband, Dylan, who does research and writing on economics and just kind of ethics and economics. And we love to kind of talk about how that, the praxis where it intermingles with um, running a business and what that means and what that can look like. And then, um, so I run a couple businesses and it started out as a doula being a birth doula in 2009. And then I pivoted into, um, the cranial sacral therapy. So I have a brick and mortar business and it's been going really great. And just, I've learned so much about running a business and loving it. And it's just, I could talk about business and enterprise for days. It's just the craziest thing. So if you need to stop me, that's okay. You can, you can stop me. So you said that your thinking around business has changed. How how has it changed from the beginning to now? Okay, so I actually never wanted to be a business owner. I had this like terror. I if I were to do college over again, I would go for enterprise or a business degree or something like that. Like if 30-year-old Kelly chose a degree <laughs> over 19-year-old Kelly. Um, and because I had all these terrible ideas about business and money and finance, and I conflated it with greed, and I conflated it with all of these like different morals where I felt like it meant you hated the poor. And it just mm-hmm. kind of melt like just every stereotype when mm-hmm. it was really like, business is the best tool to help alleviate poverty. And just as, and that a lot of times maintaining or working towards accessibility towards that can be a huge tool. So I think once my, I learned about that, um, because I just have always cared about the poor and poverty. And I just like, didn't want to, I hit a point where I didn't want to be poor for a while. For a while, I like romanticized poverty and uh-huh. ignored the vulnerability of poverty. But um, like, I think just realizing that wealth isn't the enemy and like, how do I find ways to create wealth? And that's always been a way that I could figure out money was just being really creative. And how do I use my creativity to meet needs and that business can help meet people's needs where they're at and with my 
skills and whether it's in my own life or not. So, okay. So back to your question, like, um, it's been crazy to just kind of see that transition in my life where I had conflated it with greed and I conflated it with all of these other ideas. And then realizing that business is the nitty gritty and where I can make the most impact in people's lives. And how do I, how do I do that in a way that is sustainable for me? So I'm able to do it the long for the long haul and for a long time, create services that help me and my community um like be well in their life like like i do healing work with cranial sacral but then also be well financially and sustainable in that level and so and just i don't know i could go on and on about how you can create a business that creates wealth not just for you and your family but your community and it can branch out that oftentimes we think I um, didn't like business because I thought it was a problem that created more poverty for some reason or that it like exploited the poor. But I think it can like wealth creation can be one of the biggest solutions for poverty. And I think often we think wealth is the problem, but helping people learn how to create wealth is something that I've always really loved because I think that can be a key solution to poverty. So. Kelly, you know, you say you have, you had these like negative associations with business and money. And I think, you know, that makes a a lot of sense. You know, a lot of us have heard stories about, you know, big companies exploiting the the little guy on the ground. Um, So it's really good that you said, you know, you've learned that, you know, there's other business models where you can actually help the people who you employ as opposed to exploit them right yeah well and even just that was the mindset shift yeah well and even like your clients and people you work with like running a great business can fill a need and usually like entrepreneurs are the types that see needs and they're like oh there's a need someone needs this and I can like fill that need with x or someone else needs a job and they could fill that need and growing a business so that you're able to employ people is one of the key key ways to alleviate poverty right so that can be huge um i grew up in poverty and so that was always kind of something but i didn't i don't think i really minded it (laughs) like it wasn't like this like i'm just happy no matter what like whether i have money or not but it was still like really hard and i think seeing that again people ignoring the vulnerability that's there so i think even in my degrees in theology so there's um I think like some conversation around that too. And like, how, how do we engage money is important. And I think there's, we could go on about philosophical discussions around that too. But I think that like nitty gritty around those pieces can be huge. So yeah, I think it took me a while to learn that. So I am. It's funny you said romanticizing poverty because I know exactly as soon as you said that I knew exactly what you meant because that was me for a long time. Um, Especially um, when I chose to be a public servant to be a teacher, it was always, you know, what are we we're choosing these things that we want we think we're helping a certain way but you really can help when you actually make more money. So I think that's just such a really eye opening piece of value to drop like you have to break up those 
thoughts um, and realize that abundance is the way to be. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. And I think if I could add, like, I think oftentimes we'll think the problem is wealth, like, so that I'll join the poor, um, right? Like, I'll join yeah. the poor. I just won't be wealthy and I'll join the poor and I'll work with them. But it's more about accessibility. So it's not just teaching someone to fish. It's not just um, do it like it's giving them access to the pond. So it's not like nobody should own properties because it's hard for people, some people. Yeah. No, it's like, how do we make it easier for people? How do we maintain accessibility for proper property rights and different things like this so that everybody can be included in creating wealth? So yeah, I think fighting for that. I'm all like, add more leaves to the table. Yes, <laughs> like if right. there's not room a bigger the table. table, pull out the leaves. And sometimes it's disruptive, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, how do we add more leaves to the table and create, share the solutions that we've found? And, and when you said, and also, well, speaking of making the table bigger, and you know, this is a big to come up with an idea for a business that's going to be able to do all these sustainable things. Can you talk to us about drawing that comparison between birth and business? Yeah. So I think, so starting out as a birth doula, oftentimes I'll talk about business as, and I'll add these analogies of birth all the time that sometimes there's these, um, transitions that are hard and usually when you're a, a birth doula and you're watching someone labor and you see the hardest points for them um what's terrible is that there's something really thrilling for the doula right because they're like you are so close like it's a sign that the end is coming or some greatness is coming that there's this like birth that's about to come out and so i think oftentimes in struggle like seasons of struggle and um, per that perseverance of like pushing through <laughs> that perseverance. Like you're like, we're so close to the greatness that this can be. And I think that's helped a lot. So it's not really like I have a big analogy for birth as a whole, like being um birth and business but I think a lot of times we like birth our businesses and that it takes a lot of struggle and it's lonely and you're the only one who gets to do, do it, it. Yep. <laughs> you're the only one who can do it yep. it's lonely and you can have a team cheering you on but and they, maybe they've been there before but you're the only one that can like push and birth this business to the other side and so yeah I don't know that that's so eye-opening I was just like oh yes that's this is so true like you know as we work on our businesses you know even having like supportive spouses I can totally see that like your spouse might be in the room with you in the birth room but and and supporting you and giving you ice chips or whatever but it's like you're the one who has to go through the process right you have to go mm -hmm. through the process and so wow that's so great that's so like yeah, I feel it, better already I'm like oh okay this is like birth. I need to just accept the struggles that come with it because at the end there's going to be something. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, unexpected events can come and you have to like keep your head in the game. A lot of it's a mind game. Life, birth, building a business is a mind game. So 
guarding your thoughts and working through those are huge. And then there might be a ton of like naysayers, like you might have a goal. Like I worked with a lot of people that wanted a natural birth and it might be that their friends would be like, you could never do that. But you have to like maintain your own vision and your own goal and persevere through that. And then even if there's like unexpected circumstances that come up, you make the best decision in the moment that you can with the information you have and you move forward from there. So there's like so many things, like if you've had babies and even infertility is its own labor, right? Like like, if you've had any of those struggles, like there can be tons of parallels and that have already prepared you for the journey of building businesses. Yeah. <laughs> like that you are already qualified <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Again, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> so what are some of the big wins or big struggles when it comes to business that you've encountered? Mm, I think. COVID is a struggle. (laughs) So cranial sacral, if you don't know what it is, it's a hands-on modality. And I'd really, thankfully, I'd like niche down enough that I work with an essential community. Like I specialize in newborns that are having a hard time with feeding. Um, And so I work a lot with moms and newborns for feeding. And then I... um, So there's that, but like being shut down and that so many of my modalities were hands-on and then suddenly with COVID, like you're being shut down, like that's been a struggle. So it's forced me to like remain creative and find solutions to work, um, work, yeah, just find work and find a hustle or create other streams of income that were less hands-on and I was like oh I had five five streams of income so but again that like mind game and keeping your head in the game has been a huge tool um but last year was like what my best year yet like I out earned my husband and his his career I know and then he was awesome congratulations thank you (laughs) I know know. he was (laughs) I know he was like you can earn more than me and then there was like we were arguing about childcare and like who would do who was gonna watch the kids while I had a client quick and he like made this side comment and I don't it was just a moment of frustration where he's like but I make more than you and like by the hour I make more than him like I worked half the time he did but I made more than him last year but he um yeah because I only work like at most 20 hours a week but um But then it was like, once he made that comment, I was like, bet. Like, now I have to, (laughs) like, make more than you. And he's like, this is fine. And and then it was interesting because with COVID, we both were laid off um, or, like, unable to, like, make income the way we're used to. And so then it's like, he's going back, but I... Now I'm like, okay, it kind of, my business is picking back up again and I'm booked out a couple of weeks, which is great um, because things are just opening and there's this like hesitation of how things are going to go. But we're looking at 
me being the primary breadwinner and what does this look like and does he stay home and watch the kids and all of those so I know Nicole we might have to talk yeah (laughs) we have to talk man I can't wait to get to be at that point um but I would love to talk about how did you grow to the point you're at now like were there any big mind shift changes or anything you did to get you to the place you are now if you're growing to this Yeah. So there's a couple different ways. Um, One was recognizing the zero sum pie fallacy in economics. And I can post a link to a video I had watched because I was looking back and I'm like, what made me feel like I had permission to charge more permission, whatever. And I think when we talk about the wage gap, um, we talk about a lot of providers charging what they're worth. But I think we miss the conversation about Like, it's not like just about your value. There's like about creating, creating a market that's sustainable, not only for you, but for people who can't afford it to be subsidized by a partner or other people in their field. So, so that they can create a living wage. But, um, so the zero sum pie fallacy is this idea is that there's only like a limited amount of dollars in the world ever. And it's like based on pre-industrialization. And so it's this like, say there's only a hundred dollars and there's a gazillion people. And so we have to cut the pie equally. So everybody gets a piece of the pie. So then my thought without recognizing this is the idea that I held, I was like, well, if I make more, it means someone else makes less. Right. And I don't think I was fully like conscious of that. And, but I felt like I was taking this idea, but with post-industrialization and like the technology age, Mm -hmm. suddenly like the pie started growing, right? Like it wasn't as limited and like dependent on agriculture and human, like suddenly like the pie becomes elastic and you can make more pies. So I'll just kind of like joke, like everybody make more pies. And then you can, you can make pies that meet people's needs that in ways that, like others don't, you can make gluten-free pies. You can make, yeah. <laughs> suddenly Sharon makes yeah. gluten-free pies. <laughs> don't forget the apple pies. Apple pie with cinnamon. Like, every, like everybody pies. can have whatever kind of pie they want and you can choose which one you make and other people can choose which one like they they can buy that won't make them sick overnight or whatever um and then so i think once i learned this that i could like fill a need and create wealth and all of these questions and i shifted like how do i help poverty to how do i create wealth those were huge in me like really trying to figure out how to level up my income personally. Right. And so, and then I didn't feel bad for like charging more. I was like, well, I'll just meet a different audience or I'll meet people and I can always adjust the demand. But what was important for me was to maintain sustainability so that I could be in the field longer. Because if, if I didn't charge a sustainable rate, then um, I get burnt out or the turnover rate. So this happens in doula work. They like undercharge their services. It's significantly emotionally demanding and not just for them, but their whole family, like it costs their whole family, this emotional fortitude. And so it can't be subsidized anymore. So doulas burn out and there's only like a three-year lifespan. So then the market as a whole only has three years worth of experience 
as a whole. But if if you want people to like be able to do it longer, if you want people to be able to get involved in doula work that don't have a partner to help subsidize mm-hmm. the missing work, right, to go support a woman in labor, mm-hmm. then if you want them to create an income, then you have to help build a market that people so people because people can't compete with free which is a whole nother we'll write a blog about that (laughs) like later so having all these ideas like really helped me niche my services where I'm like what's the most specific need I can meet what's the most specific need that I see that I feel like I can meet that can like be sustainable and like be specialized enough that people are willing to like pay the amount for it because they're looking for exactly what I have to offer. Yeah. And I really like how you kind of highlighted that. I mean, not in these exact words, but like everyone loses if you're not charging a sustainable rate, right? If you're not charging Mm -hmm. something um, that can sustain you, then you're going to get burned out. And if you have, you know, clients or employees, if you go under, right, all these people are going to lose. And so it, it helps everyone for you to have like a sustainable yeah. uh, game plan or a sustainable process. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any tips for people looking to start out? You know, one of the things, like you said, is working for free. And ah, that's a whole different other story. And it's like, well, a lot of people when they're starting out, like charging you know, something that's sustainable can be really difficult. So do you have any tips for them? Yeah. So you can maintain the value of your product. There's so many different things. And I feel like it can depend on the field, but start with what it costs you to like live and to sustainably do it. Like start with your own needs and then look at the needs of the others. Cause I feel like, especially when it comes with like doing things for free for others, you do that out of a good heart. Like you want to help people, but start with what you need. And then I would always like alleviate or alleviate. (laughs) I would always like schedule out or budget out a certain amount of my time that I could offer to clients at like a discounted rate or a sliding scale if they were like, because if, especially if it's a product that has what they call inelastic demand. So if it's healthcare or something that people need, like how do you, and it's not like a luxury item, like how do you budget that out in a way that you can meet needs. So finding out your motivation for charging less, I think, could be a key factor. But also start with what you need rather than what you think people will pay. Because sometimes you can compare to the market around you, but sometimes that's undervalued. And sometimes you have to be the lonely one to build the market. And just to kind of boldly say, I'm going to say it's this much. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and that I think that can help And people have the choice to buy it or not buy it. They have the choice to like, if they want to go with someone less experienced and less expensive, then that's fine. They, when they choose what you're offering, they can offer your experience and recognizing that your experience might not be like, well, I've been running the business, but if you have other skills that you've been doing, so like, you know, like whether it's teaching or engineering or other professional skills, I used to like employ myself out like I would do job interviews and I'd be like, 
my first job. I'm the oldest of five. I can do anything, right? Like I was like, I had no job experience, but recognizing your whole life and the holistic view of experiences that you have and how you can em employ yourself and employ those. And again, um, like what kind of job do you want to create? Like I created a job where I could work 20 hours a week and create become a primary breadwinner and create, make more money than my husband, right? Like that, what is your ideal? So then you can create a job where you can be home with your kids, where you can be flexible and meet demands of your family. So I think that's so powerful. And I want to ask you something kind of specific. So when you're going through um, to say, what am I worth? Because we're not talking about what the market says. We're talking about what my time is. To be specific, would you be talking about, well, how much would it cost for a sitter? Or how much would it cost for me to get someone to clean now because I can't be home? Are those the type of considerations you're talking about? I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I call it almost holistic accounting. So if I, if my husband doesn't have the emotional fortitude to handle the house alone and he needs more help, or if I don't have the forti the time to clean and that's something we need to like maintain our like level of sanity, mm -hmm. then so like, what does it cost for me to spend time elsewhere? And not only what does it cost me, but what does it cost my family as a whole who are dependent on my income? So, so I think when we think about that, because we're so others focused, mm -hmm. um, like those are things to take into account of like, well, no one else is going to pay for my family. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so no one else is going to figure that out for me. So that's, yeah, that holistic accounting. And then the emotional part where it's like, am I fitting a need that nobody else is filling? Am I like, there's a few of those little pieces that what value do I add to people's lives with this? And then you can even look into other fields, like someone who's creating this result, the same result I'm doing, even though they do it in a different way, how much are they charging for that result? So I love those tips. Those are so great. So helpful for someone starting a business to think that way. I never thought that way when I first started. So I appreciate your your tips. Mm, and one of my ideas that I'm hoping to kind of flesh out a little bit more is like how to increase your income as a solopreneur and like and how to just kind of like niche down and how you kind of flesh those out. Because there were a lot of intentional pivots that I I took to increase my income, but they were all these little like choices or questions or specific needs of like mostly niching down and filling things in a way and connecting. Yeah. I'll let you know when it comes out. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I know some of it, like the emotional part of being a doula was, might've been one of the shifts you made. Plus you had your own family, but yeah, I totally, I see exactly what you mean. And we are, we will be waiting for that PDF or whatever it turns out to be that book. <laughs> the books. We can write. Thank you. Well, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for this year and this podcast and everything that's going to happen with it. So Yay, I know May 2020 birthed the most beautiful 2021 babies, figuratively <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> physically. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, Changemakers. Thank you so much for joining us today on Her Enterprise for episode 009, where we interview our great co-host, Kelly. In this episode, Kelly really dove deep on the power of your mindset and how even if you start off with some limiting beliefs, you can change those. She really illustrated that point by showing us how mothers who go through the birthing process have an understanding that struggle is part of the process and that there is going to be a reward on the other side and how we could take this mindset with us to our own business struggles. So next week, we will be masterminding Kelly's business. She's going to bring us an issue and we'll see where it goes. So don't forget to join us, subscribe, leave us a review, and we hope you're enjoying your day. The ladies from Her Enterprise are a woman's collective of knowledge, inspiration, and connection. We are change makers. This is a podcast for the whole person. It is for you and your business. Let's grow. Let's flourish. Let's rise with her enterprise. Are you ready to be a change maker? Hit subscribe.